On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Sidetracks, the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. I'm Brittany. And we're finally back for sidetracks. It's been a while for a true sidetracks. Our last sidetracks was the haunt, uh, not the haunting of Hill House, the fall of the House of Usher. I was about to say, it's been so long. I'm like, shit, I can't honestly remember all that I've watched. So I'm just like focusing on a very few things. <laughs> I, so I watched a lot the week of Halloween, but a lot of it is can be very succinct so but i actually i checked off some bucket list movies weirdly um so that's a good thing how are you doing brit i i am good it's been it's been busy uh obviously katie knows we have a photography business that we run on the side and so we were like editing four different sessions simultaneously and three of them are are done and uh, we're we're wrapping up on a, a wedding album that should be done this Thursday. So I'm like, thank God because I I love I love 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 photography, but editing is like it's it's wonderful because it's so great to see like what the finalized product is. But sometimes like it's like oh my God, my eyes feel like they're melting looking at the screen. Yeah, and especially when you're like work, yeah. working on an album if it has like over 1,200 pictures in it, you're like oh God. <laughs> But, yeah but it's worth it it's totally worth it it's just uh it's a it, it it adds a lot and so you know we're but we're we're slowly getting towards the end of fall which is my favorite time of year but with that it's like the busiest time of the photography season is also kind of slowing yeah. down because once you get into christmas people aren't really thinking pictures they're thinking christmas presents yeah what about you well, and also like it's actually very pretty in the south to take pictures that's why like taylor and Brittany took my pictures are yeah. our, our family Christmas card pictures, and they look beautiful. Aww. They're very fall yes. themed. We did a Wes Anderson esque shoot with bright colors and fall colors, and it looks really pretty. But yeah, no, I'm good. I'm actually I'm doing a holiday show. It, I mean, it's a Christmas show, but it's not very Christmassy. Uh, called Seven Santas by Jeff Good. It's a sequel to the Eight Reindeer Monologues. And it's Santa, seven different Santas are in an AA meeting and talking about uh, their life and their transgressions. And it's not not your grandmother's Santa. So I'm actually, I'm not one of the Santas. I'm Mrs. Claus. So 
I also get to say something and then we all start fighting and it's very funny. It's very darkly humorous. There's some dark subject matter in it, but like uh, Birmingham Festival Theater is doing it and we kind of like to do non-traditional holiday shows, Christmas shows, because like there's a lot of churches that do like very beautiful like nativity things and like concerts and a lot of people do like very traditional ones so we kind of fill that slot of the non-traditional christmas show and then we do one called christmas with the clauses where it's like a free family friendly event where you meet santa claus and stuff so it's balanced out that's awesome but yeah so i have rehearsals rehearsal started this week and uh i'm really excited i just like we're just kind of hitting the ground running because we have a shorter rehearsal period than originally planned because we had uh, some snafus where like people were out of town during when we were having auditions and stuff. So it's 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 definitely going to be a fun one, though. The, the show that it's a sequel to, we did a couple seasons ago and everyone loved that one. So we when we found out that there was a sequel we were like let's do that show but i I've, I've watched a, a couple christmas like hallmark bad movies but not a lot so far i try to save christmas until after thanksgiving but you know i just love watching bad hallmark movies so sometimes i do do that maybe i'll do that for if we do a side tracks if we can fit a side tracks in december maybe we'll talk about it then yeah but uh, but what what did you watch in the last like three weeks? Uh, so, new uh, and exciting. I'll start like uh, with something like I think this is technically like one of the most recent things I watched. So I had heard about this movie, and I actually am kind of like semi impressed with myself because when Sundance Film Festival happened at the beginning of the year, I was reading like a lot of reviews about movies that had premiered at Sundance, and now at the end of the year, I've seen a lot of these movies. Not every single one of them, but I want to say I've seen at least like twelve movies that premiered at Sundance this year. Um, and this most That's recent good. one is called Fair Play. Uh, it's been on Netflix mm-hmm. for a couple weeks. It's directed by Chloe Domont, and the most probably recognizable to me person in it is uh, Phoebe Daynever, who uh, played uh, Daphne in Bridgerton. So the you know oh, yeah okay yeah she you know obviously the heroine of the first season of Bridgerton, um, the Duke and I. Uh, so she's the lead. Yes, and it's her. So basically. This movie is about, it's her and her her significant other. And in the, like, early in the movie, in the first five minutes of the movies, they get engaged. But they both are working at this very aggressive, like, hedge fund in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is somebody who basically, like, quits in this, like, big fiery show display. So there's a job promotion up, right? And they're both very, and what mm-hmm. I do love about this script is, like, they're both capable but you kind of learn things about her character like throughout the movie that's like okay like he's capable but she is definitely like she's busting her ass to be in the position she is she's working from the ground up she's from a different family she went to a different university and she's like smart like she gets it and so Mm -hmm. um very early in the movie this is probably within the first 15 20 minutes she hears a rumor that her fiance is going to be the one that gets the promotion and she tells him she gets a call in the middle of the night uh the head of the company is like hey meet me in the go room for drinks and it's actually her that gets the promotion and the movie kind of takes off there in a downward spiral 
of how that affects her fiance. Oh. Yeah, and what I really love, what I love about this movie is that, like, the script is really, there's some really, really great things in the script, and it's really Phoebe's performance. Like, you know, obviously we know her from Bridgerton. If you guys watch Bridgerton, I do. Uh, it's like, we know she's oh, a good yeah. actress. She is, like, this is, like, groundbreaking performance. So she is so fucking good in this movie she's incredible like it made me kind of see her in a new light not just as like this ingenue but as this like actress that really can hold like her own in very powerful difficult scenes but i didn't like i really would love you to watch this movie katie because i didn't like it by the end like i think the first act was so good and then the second act just went off the rails a little bit for me it wasn't it wasn't okay. extremely disappointing. I just wish that it had the follow-through of the first act, because the first act was so gripping to me. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I've heard very mixed reviews about it so far. Okay. So I'm not surprised. But you would recommend it? I would. It definitely kept my interest. Um, and it definitely, it makes me, it makes me, I would love to see what she takes on after this, and I would love to see where this director goes after this movie. So I did like it. I just, there's some things that I really, because I spoiled some of the things that happened in the first, like, 20 minutes. I don't want to spoil other parts of the movie. But I guess mm -hmm. I just wish it was a little bit different by the end of it. And I, because there's some really, like, That's hardcore fair. things that happen, there's some hardcore things that I think would be very interesting discussion. I don't oh. want to ruin that for you. Um, what I will say okay. is, guys, I'm gonna, Netflix actually does a really good job of this. Now, when you turn on a movie in the top left-hand corner, it's going to give you things that may be triggering. But just also, my own warning, there is a few things triggering in the latter half of the movie. So I do want to give that warning before anyone goes into it. But yeah, if you guys watch it, please watch it. Come back, talk to me or Katie about it. I would love to hear what other people thought about this movie. And again, this is fair play and it's on netflix okay well speaking of loving most of a movie and not all of it i finally watched a, a movie that is both scott my partners and Brittany's one of their favorite movies both of them have equally been like how have you not seen this movie yet and so i finally watched donnie darko Ooh. and i loved like 90% of the movie mm. or I would say 80% of the movie loved it I was like this is interesting I liked the quirky the crazy quirky gym teacher the weird culty uh, Patrick Swayze character it was really funny to see uh, the Gyllenhaals and I really liked all the actors and it was like interesting and it had all these weird things and the creepy bunny Frank and all that but I hated the ending. <laughs> Not because it was unearned, but because it made me so fucking depressed. Yeah. Because part of me was like, okay, well, which I don't know if, should I spoil this? It's a very old movie. It did I don't come know. out in like 2001. I feel, I feel like I was 12 or 13 when yeah. I watched this. It was, I think yeah. it was, yeah, I think it did come out in 2001 because it came out either right before or right after September 11th, which was a big reason why the box office was weird. I think it came out right after September 11th. Mm. And so the box office was... Because it had a bunch of... It has a bunch of plane yeah, crashes in it. Yeah, yeah, So it was a, a triggering thing, and people didn't really want to watch it in theaters, but then they watched it later and really liked it. 
so it's a spoilers for Donnie Darko's ending, and also like it's it's on Peacock and Tubi right now. But we started watching the first version in Freebie, which was on Peacock, and it was the director's cut, and it was much longer than the original cut, and also there was a bunch of different music choices in it. Mm. And Scott was like, this isn't right, because it's one of his favorite movies. So he knew, like, what song was supposed to play. It was a song I liked, and now, of course, I can't remember what the song is. But it was a song I liked, but I was like, what's wrong? And so we found the original theatrical version and watched that. (laughs) But, I mean, it is very, the beginning, at least, is very different. Oh, and see, it's so funny. I will say, so, like, my coworker, uh, he listens to, uh, like, it's something happens and I'm head over hills because that's like the song they play when they're showing the school they're walking around the school so was that different uh-huh. was head over hills different i can't remember if that one was but the the opening song where he's riding the bicycle was a completely different mm. song and the first version i saw was it was a song that i very much was familiar with and now i can't i'm blanking on what the song was cuz it's been a couple weeks since i watched it mm. but then like the other version was a song that i vaguely knew but wasn't as familiar with and i was like I don't know if it was copyright reasons or editing reasons. I don't know. But just just so you know, if if you want to watch Donnie Darko because all of your friends watched it when it first came out, watch the theatrical version, which I think is on... I think it's the freebie version. So you have to watch commercials, but it is the original cut and not the director's cut, which is longer and seemingly has different music. Daria on DVD is like that too because they couldn't get licensing for all the music. So if you watch Daria on DVD and streaming, sometimes the music is different. I learned that because I bought it on DVD and I hadn't watched the original and then I watched like a clip on YouTube and it was totally different music and I was like, what? And then I went back and the reason it took so long for Daria to get on DVD was because they had all this music licensing issues because it was MTV. So at the time they had more access, I guess. And then, you know, it changed hands. Uh, The rights did. Anyways, so there's that warning. But also, so spoiler warning for the ending. So in the original ending, or before he undoes it, like... His girlfriend gets killed by a car driven by Frank, who's the bunny in a costume on Halloween. And then he shoots Frank. And then his sister and his mom get into a plane crash. Mm -hmm. And that all is very sad. But what bothered me is not that he went back in time and undid that to save those people. But I didn't understand... Why he couldn't have also saved himself. I didn't understand why he couldn't have gotten out of bed. Or like just gone to bed differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he still dies. That bothered me. Because I was like, what? I watched all that and he's just dead. It's very nihilistic. But it was also 2001. So that makes sense. But as an adult watching it. I know as a kid, I would have thought, oh, my God, that is so meaningful to me. But as an adult, I was like, are they just telling people who have mental health issues and depression that you might as well just die and save your family? Like, I know that's not what he meant. But to me, it came off kind of like that way. But then I was thinking more of it. And Brittany was like, but I mean, his mom and his sister would have died, too. I was like, "Okay, okay, so maybe. okay, okay, I get it. I get it. But I just like I feel like there was a way to not have it be I, him dying? I think, like, 
for in my opinion i think and i don't i mean i don't know for sure so obviously i, I haven't wrote the theories on donnie darko but just listening to you talk and kind of thinking in my head i'm like okay what what could we suggest that maybe that donnie like did have to die like in the in this world right so when i first watched this movie i once again i was like maybe 12 13 at the oldest and it was very it was first very shocking to me that he shot Frank because I still like couldn't comprehend in my mind. I was like, was he in the heat of the moment? He was so mad about her death that he killed him or was there like something bigger there? I don't know. But then like, you know, it plays Mad World by Gary Jules and you're like, oh damn, because it's like such a potent like song to put to that scene because, you know, Pastor Swayze is mm -hmm. waking up crying. They're essentially all waking up and they <gasps> realize that they, they kind of have like the remembrance of what had happened, right? That's why Patrick Swayze is crying because he knows he was arrested I guess. he's like remembering it but then also like frank is staring at the bunny mask and then he's horrified like he remembers he was shot and killed so they're all kind of waking up from this dream that was this past world i guess but then it's like did donnie so did donnie die because was he driven mad by the knowledge of remembering everything and that's why he didn't get up from the bed or did he know that she would die and everything was doomed to repeat if he met her again i don't really that's what, like, I think it's supposed to be the latter, but the thing that bothers me is, okay, so I get that the girlfriend isn't dead anymore. Cool. But her mom maybe got murdered on Halloween night, so now she might be home when that murder takes place. And also, there's a child sex ring. Yeah by Patrick Swayze and he's not in jail anymore so I mean there were so many good things that happened as well as the bad things and it's like the alternate reality he chose I don't know if it's the alternate reality I would have chose personally oh and all but all I can think is like I, I guess that's the point of the movie yeah I think of like Jamie Lannister and like the things you know the things we do for love or the things I do for love it's like it's it's I'm not saying it's the easy answer or the right answer, but it's like who would we be willing to sacrifice to save for who we love? I I guess the thing that bothers me is he's a teenage child yeah. with mental health problems that he is trying to get help for, and the end in the movie just has him basically let himself die. For and it just makes I'm like I just I would have liked to see him overcome his mental health problems. Yeah. Like I know that's a happy-go-lucky. And again, this movie was made before September 11th, but after Columbine. The world of teenage fantasy in suburbia in America was very dark and very nihilistic. So I I do think like it is a product of its time, and I think I probably would have had a different spin on it had I seen it when I was younger yeah. because it probably would have meant something different to me because of where I was, you know, especially if I had seen it post 9-11 because those were some dark years mentally for me. I, I'm sure anyone who went through that just watching peep days of like the, the news tickers and just yeah. like more bad stuff. And it was just it was very traumatizing. I think for a lot of people in our generation to just experience that. I think, you know? I think it's very valid that you would like, as like a, 
advocate of mental health, you would want to see him overcome that. And I get, I get that completely. Just like in my head, like I'm like, if I'm trying to think of reasons for why Donnie had to die, that's the only thing I could think of is like either he was driven mad by like the knowledge of everything that happened, or he like he was afraid of setting off the same chain of events if he if he just walked out of that room. It's the only two things I can rationalize for why it ended the way it ended. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it has to be the second one, and I, I, I understand the choice to make that. It's not like it's an invalid ending, and it's not that it's unearned. I just, I wish it wasn't a child making that decision. I wish it was an adult, because it makes me feel like you're telling teenagers that there's not hope for recovery. Yeah. And I don't know if i mean and i i'm I'm putting way too much thought into this but it just upset me because i was just like that is so fucking depressing and i mean things can be depressing it's totally fine if endings are depressing but to me a child choosing to die to save his family seems really unnecessarily dark yeah really cruel but also that was when emo started coming out and we got real dark for a while there um, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, I, we were, like, the general populace of teenagers in the early 2000s, we were very traumatized people, and we were expressing it in very dark ways, and I guess it's better to express it. And, you know, I guess the whole theory is there's another universe where he didn't have to die. I just wish, like, maybe we had seen multiple universes in the end, and not just the one... Where he has to die, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But I know there's a sequel that explores some more of the time travel, but I haven't heard very good oh, things about yeah. it. Also, the other movie that director did was The Bronx Tale, I think. Mm. And it got some it's it's got some weird reviews. It's apparently not very good, but it's it's like it's just very messy, is what I hear. So I, maybe maybe that's all we can expect from this director. I don't know. I think that's I think I'm thinking of the right movie. Yeah. But I've, I've heard a couple reviews, not great reviews for that one. But on the whole, I'm glad I saw it. I like the music choices. And, you know, it was interesting to see such a young Jake Gyllenhaal, um, who I do think is, like, one of the best Southland Tales, not a Bronx Tale, Southland Tales. Sorry. It was cool to see... Jake Gyllenhaal and oh shit, who played the girlfriend? Oh, I know her. Uh, fucking, she's uh, Joanna in the Hunger Games. Jenna Malone is it? Jenna Malone? Yeah, Jenna Malone. And Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore was not very good as the teacher, in my opinion. She was too young at that time to be a teacher character. That was weird. That part did not fit her at all. Did not like that. Everyone else was cast great. Was perfect. Yes, I didn't like Drew Barrymore's part at all. <laughs> I was like, why is she? I was like, she's not this teacher. Anyways, but I'm glad I saw it for the reference. And obviously, we might be able to do this for a full episode, you know, because there is obviously a lot to talk about it. And I was hope, I just, I was hoping so much that I would love it because so many people in my life that I care about love that movie so much. And I hate when I don't have the same feelings about a movie that's sentimental to people I care about. Oh, ours subjective. Dang. I know. I know. But I'm just like, oops, I'm sorry. What did I not get from this? That it is a product of its time, but I do think it's one of those movies that is so influential 
in society that I do think that you should watch it at least once yeah. if you haven't already. It's it, I mean, there's a lot of references in there that I didn't know were references from that movie that I have heard for years. Yeah, and so I'm like, yeah, you should, especially like Mad World. Oh yeah, oh, if you God. don't know where it comes from, you know that. And where is my mind at the end of um, Fight uh, Club? Fight Club. Yeah, you know, I, very good music ending cues. I love that. Like Mad World is like a tear for fear. Like Gary Jules covered like the tears for fear song yeah. and it's like but the song when you listen to it gives it sounds so different than the original version mm-hmm. it makes it like you it's one of those songs that it sounds like when you hear the gary jules version you really understand the lyrics better because of how sad it sounds yeah yeah it is so such a sad cover it is but it fits donnie darko it does, yeah yeah i hope i hope they all remembered what donnie did for them i guess that was my other thing is like are they gonna remember the sacrifice donnie made or are they not and his death will go un unappreciated and i that made me very sad and i felt very like unsettled at the end of that movie which i guess like is the point but i just was like it wasn't a fun watch experience <laughs> Because I was just like, well, now I'm just depressed. Oh, my God. But it's fine. And you know, it's fine. It was a good movie, though, and you should watch it. You might have a different opinion than I do. I mean, you yeah, know. it's it's completely valid, too. So, I mean, like, I, I, I will agree there. I have nostalgia lenses for the movie. I won't say it's a perfect film, but I will say is that every time I watch it, it does strike some kind of chord within me. But I'm also a yeah. very sad person. So, it's like... I, I kind of gravitate. <laughs> not, all the time. not all the time. But I gravitate towards sad movies, sad songs. And I mean, I remember being very and upset even when he talks about the dog. Like, he's like, you know, he he ran away to die. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, yeah, that still makes me upset as a completely grown person. Well, and I feel like, you know, it was a very, it's a very emo movie. Before emo was really, which isn't like a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, it is very much that 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 line of thinking it's like the i don't know if it's nihilistic it's more emo because like the fucking uh 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 my chemical romance like half of their music videos oh uh from some of their biggest albums are very depressing oh. like at people's funerals I... and like people wearing gas masks oh. but it, they're it's great music but that's just kind of the vibe oh. it was very it's dangerous because you, you nihilistic. It's dangerous because you brought up My Chemical Romance, which I feel like I know. me and Syndicate could like teach a master class in My Chem. So Three Cheers to Sweet Revenge, which to me I like the Black Parade. The Black Parade is one of my favorite <laughs> albums of all time. But Revenge had some album. of the best fucking music videos that ever were on Fuse and MTV. So I actually like it because like. I'm Not Okay, which was Mike Kim's first music single, and, like, the mm-hmm. whole video was set like, a teenage comedy, right? Like, because it's, like, have you ever felt yeah. this? Have you ever felt that? So I actually think there's, like, a lot of, like, humor within that one. Now, Helena, so you'll yeah. appreciate this. You were raised Catholic. You know, Mike Kim and Gerard and Mikey Way specifically raised Catholic, so Helena was written about their grandmother. You're kidding. Yeah. I'm just no, kidding. I, it's very yeah, obvious. It's very, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> the first thing you literally see, like, they're, like, signing themselves at, like, Helena's casket and stuff, but it was written for their grandma. Well, it's very Catholic to be obsessed with 
death and dark shit. I love it, It sounds though. bad. It's very old-fashioned Catholic, it's, I should it's say. It's a funeral, but they literally are fucking dancing at it. Like, they're doing choreographed dance, and yeah. Helena herself merges from the coffin and does, like, this gorgeous ballet dance. So there's something, like, it's not just, like, oh, sad, it's so sad. It's almost like there's so much life within death. Well, and it's also probably resurrection, because that's a big thing in Catholic. Yeah stuff i love so, it might be might be might not be i don't know i don't know now his the the third and brain yeah the third and final single though which is the ghost of you uh i will give it to you there so it, it's literally they're at uso show but it's also they're at d-day and at the end of the video gerard watches his younger brother die on the beaches of normandy so i'm like yeah that's really fucking yeah. sad but like, <laughs> or like remember this is less but the whole video for Wake Me Up When September Ends. Oh, God, yes. It's like a mini movie. Yes. And it's just like someone going off to the Iraq war. And uh. it's just, anyways. But that was the childhood we, vibe we lived in. So Donnie Darko makes sense if we're talking in that about, vibe. We're talking about Green Day, an American idiot. Jesus of Suburbia is where it's at. That's my favorite music video. That's from, a good song. Oh, God. I like... Oh, I don't know about so much about the music videos as much as, like, the songs. The, they did make it into a musical because yeah. it is a linear... It is a plot. It's a concept um, album. It's a, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's a concept. It's a good It's a good musical. It's a good rock musical. Um, But I do love Letterbomb. Oh, yeah. It's a really fucking good song. Oh. And in the play, it's sung by a bunch of women. And so... And they all overlap each other it's good it's a good album it's yeah i mean i know green day is in a perfect band but american idiot is a great album i will never um, i do love i will it. never forget so american idiot came out in 2004 which was my freshman year of high school and one of my really good friends mm -hmm. was like a green day fanboy and he loved like dookie was his favorite like Green Day album, which was like their that's a good yeah, one too. Yeah, it's like it's also like their first major yeah. album, and I just remember him going, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like he was so infuriated. Oh, he's one of those yes. people. He's probably mad that Ray became a Jedi or something. It's, like if he likes Star Wars, he was so <laughs> pissed. And that album became huge. I mean, there was like six singles off that yeah. album. That it, it was a major album. But 2004 was well, a great year for music. Well, it went from them being like that alternative band that you always hear on the radio and you know their name to like, oh no, it's Green Day, and they're like platinum. Everyone had to have that album. Yeah, I don't know anyone who didn't listen to American Idiot. You know, in my high school, I remember my friend bought her CD and we were like looking at all the lyrics like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, anyways, but yeah, so yeah, early 2000s, very emo. And I think Donnie Darko fits that vibe. It's just it is a dark one and it does not have a happy ending, <laughs> in my opinion. So don't watch it. Um, but oh, the other thing was we were literally watching it before we went to bed. Like we were in bed watching it. So, like, that was the other thing. I was like, I couldn't, like, watch something perky afterwards. I was just like, now I have to go to sleep to that? I'm so depressed now. <laughs> it's just bad timing on my part. It's not the movie's fault. It's a good movie. You should watch it. And we've talked about it for, like, a good, like, 18 minutes. So I'm going to stop talking about Donnie Darko. <laughs> and let's talk. Because we should probably do a whole episode on this since there's so much to talk about. 
and an episode on My Chemical Romance and their music videos. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a fun sidetrack. Oh my god. Like, yeah, and get Syndicate on here so, like, me and him can fan- yeah. me and him can just, like, fanboy together about it. Teach me! Teach, teach, teach me what I missed because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV as a child. Uh, teach let me. me. And I'll say this very, very quickly. So my, my one of my best friends from when we were kids, my friend Haley, uh, growing up, me and her used to, like, religiously watch Fuse. She would come over to my house pretty much every day after school, and we would just watch hours upon hours of music videos. So, like, if a music video aired between, like, two, four, 2004 to 2008, I'd know it like the back of my hands, because that's literally all I did yeah. in my spare time, so... I only got to watch them on Saturday mornings when I was at friends' houses. So, no, I listened to the radio all the time. Yeah. And I had albums, but, like, I didn't really get to watch music videos until I was a little older in high school. Like, older in high school. What was something else you watched, Britt, so we could move on? Because I'm sorry. Cause, but Donnie Darko has a lot to talk yeah, about. We should do it that. It is. Uh, so... It's really funny because, like, oh, it was months ago now. I think we did uh, Evil Dead Rise in July. And when we were talking about Evil Dead, mm-hmm. we were talking about how the trailer for Shrays came on. And so, and you know. Oh, no. Did you watch it? I did. Oh, yeah. I did. <laughs> it's, Scott wants to watch it. I'm completely. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle so it. So, me. I think it's on Peacock, too, It right? is on Peacock, yes. It's available stream, which is where I watched it at. And uh, I go back to, like, the conversation me and Jake were having, um, and I was like, yeah, it just doesn't seem right. These dogs don't seem like strays. They're all full-blooded. And, like, that's what, like, Jake was like, yeah, <laughs> they should be, like, pit bulls. I was like, our black dogs. And Syndicate was like, why do they gotta be black? And I was like, because that's really, like, yeah. the awful statistic is usually they're black or pit bull mixes, even though they're great dogs. It's true. But... It does make sense in the movie a little bit. So, actually, out of the four dogs, only two of them are legitimately strays. And with the Boston Terrier, they do do his backstory a little bit. He's the one played by Jamie Foxx. And it's, like, it's actually really sad. So, that was my thing, right? It's not great. It's honestly what you would expect from a movie like this. (laughs) Okay? It's very, very vulgar. There's a lot of toilet humor in it. But tell me what the fuck is wrong with me that I still teared up at the end of the movie. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. It's like, it's not a great hey. movie. It's not a great movie. And like I said, the whole, the humor is very vulgar. <laughs> it's like something I could imagine me watching with my older brother. But at the end of the movie, I was like, well, damn, I'm still honestly a little touched if I'm being honest. <laughs> Listen, music can manipulate you. I'm sure they use some emotional music. I'm going to say that. I don't know that. Oh, God. I, I agree with you. Now, I will say with the Indian Shrays, without giving away too much, I I think there's something in me that's like, you know, like, I, I love children. But, you know, some people, like, they look into, like, a baby's face and their heart melts. And ever since I can remember, I look into dogs' faces and that's, like, my heart melts. Yeah. So there's, like, a... There's a sweet ending, so I will. That's the only kind of slight spoiler I will give about Strays. There is, there is a oh my god, they went there ending, and then there's like the actual ending, the last like five minutes of the movie, and it's like it's like a sweeter ending, and I'm just like oh god, like my heart's melting. You're hitting the little monologue and like the voiceover, and you're seeing the little face of the dog and he's so cute and I was like damn, yeah. and I do think that even though it's a very vulgar. Uh, it's like a very vulgar toilet humor comedy. 
I do think they do try to commentate <laughs> on animal welfare in there a little bit. Well, maybe maybe it's not the way that I would have done it if I wrote the movie, but I, I can't blame them for at least trying to, like, create a story, right? At least they're trying to bring something right. to the forefront. I just... I just wish it would right. have been like maybe a black dog or like a disabled dog, but you know, once again, that's that's I'm not a, or an old dog. Yes, yes, or you know, just. But I'm I'm not I'm not a Hollywood writer, so unfortunately, I don't get to make those decisions. <laughs> uh, but it it wasn't it wasn't a great movie, but it was an okay movie. It was a good enough movie to watch on Peacock. I will say that. So. Well, that's fa- fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, Scott, ever since we saw the, um, the trailer at Evil Dead Rise, he was like, oh my god, we gotta see that movie. But I'm like, I don't, I don't watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't, I like some potty humor and silly things, but not, I don't know, I'm very particular. I might, I will probably watch it with him. He may have watched it while I was at work and he, in the background, I don't know. Cause he knows I don't want to, I do not want to watch it. Oh. Um, but he wants to watch it. So yeah, we might, I don't know, but we're not, he can totally watch that movie without me and I will not be annoyed by yeah. it. I promise. Uh, so, okay. There are two shows I watched and then I did watch the five nights at Freddy's movie, which is also on Peacock, but we kind of talked about that in the last episode because of Willy's Wonderland. Um, that one had more heart than I thought it was going to have. Mm. Uh, like, it was a sweeter story than I thought, but it was just entertaining enough, I will say. Much like Strays. But I I did watch another two... I'm going to talk about them both together because they're in the same film trilogy. Um, but I did watch some movies that I was always afraid to watch and used to scare me as a child and it was like the one horror movie that like I would watch the beginning and then I would turn it off at a certain point so I'd seen the beginning few scenes several times I'd never seen the whole thing can you guess what it the is? The Exorcist yes I watched The Exorcist Halloween week and The Exorcist 3 wow, what? Uh, which I actually really love the exorcist three and i think it might actually be a scarier movie than the exorcist and a uh, slightly better written story because it's about a serial killer and it's a little more fun it has one of the most famous Um, jump scares ever in a movie oh my god it's it's so well executed but so we the exorcist was streaming on max in october and i was like oh should i i was like I want to watch it, but, like, I've, I've built it up so much. And Scott was like, I mean, we don't have to watch it. I was like, you know what? No. Just turn it on. I'm going to watch it. And I really, 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 really liked it. Um, I think everybody knows what the story is about. It isn't as scary as I built it up in my head. But I understand why it won Oscars because the story is very interesting because we've got a priest who's a psychiatrist who is trying to come at this from every angle but religious first. You've got a mother who isn't religious, who is also trying to come at this from every angle but religious because she's trying to be logical. And is a very interesting look at, like, what would you do if your child was sick with something that didn't have a logical explanation or 
treatment for how far would you go to help them which i think is really what makes it a good movie i think it's like something and it's it's been years since i've seen the exorcist but i have seen it at least twice and i i feel like even for it being like made in the 1970s there's so many visceral moments that just stick with you um it's just horrifying Mm -hmm. i think the biggest thing is when you see reagan at the beginning of the movie she's like playing with the ouija board and i think chris is her mom's name right and chris is just like doesn't think anything about it because like you said she's not religious she doesn't associate with anything so she has her imaginary friend howdy doody and she's like so sweet and you just see that slow yeah progression as something takes hold of her and i think that's like the most terrifying thing is you see that innocent slowly die yeah she's so such a good and she's a really good actress as a child like she's just so like normal and just like she has this great relationship with her mom and all this stuff and it's just yeah it's really sad i will say i found out just trigger warning for any lapsed catholics or otherwise who need to have triggers for this so there is a real priest in that movie playing a priest playing the friend of chris mcneil who suggests father uh, the the priests to come exercise her. Um, however, that man was also he's a priest, but he was also a teacher at I think Georgetown. And he, after he retired, uh, it came out that he had uh, had inappropriate relations mm. with college students. So, like, I think sexually abusing people. I'm not one hundred percent sure. I don't think it was a church-related one, although Georgetown is a Jesuit college, yeah. so it kind of is. I was like, of course that happened. But they recast that part in Exorcist 3. So you only have to watch that man the first one. I will say, so this is not really a fun fact, but it's something I thought that I've done in my life that was cool. So we went to Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago to visit our yeah. friend Peter. And while we were there, we visited Georgetown. <laughs> and Georgetown is, like, honestly one of my favorite places I've been to in the U.S. I love it. I love the architecture there. It's just beautiful. You just feel like the history. Yeah. Um, but we went up the Exorcist stairs. And so I was like, it's a long set of stairs. And as we know, someone plummets to their death in that to those stairs in that movie. Couple of yeah, people. very very iconic yeah. staircase. And uh we we climbed the whole thing and I'm I'm pretty like I'm not fit, but I'm pretty well in shape and even me, I was like, oh I'm getting a little out of breath and I literally get to the top of it <laughs> and I turn and look and there's graffiti that says your mother sucks cocks in hell. And I was like, oh nice, that's perfect. <laughs> um but yeah. That's it, great. Yeah, but I, I like the exorcist. Uh, uh I'm in the camp. I still find it scary. My husband's in the camp that he doesn't think is scary. He thinks it's more of a product of its time. I I don't know. There's some there. Ah. It's been it's been probably a good five or more years since I last watched it. But even the last time I watched it in my twenties, it still gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. If I'm being honest, I think it's disturbing how scary it is that you could lose your child to something like yeah. that. I think that is scary. And I also, the whole movie was fucking cursed, too. Yeah. Which we don't, when we, when we finally do an episode on this, we'll we'll talk about it. But there's an actual murderer who is now out on bail, <sighs> by the way. Out, out, I mean, he's done with his oh sentence. That was That is in the movie. Um, the x-ray technician is an actual person who was convicted of killing another man and, I believe, chopping up his body and trying to hide parts. But... 
uh, all uh, around the city. They they do think he may have been the torso killer as well in New York City that killed a lot of people in the like the gay club scene in New York, which is also vaguely what William Friedkin's other film Cruising is about. Someone trying to figure out a series of murders like that in the underground uh, like gay S&M scene, which is a movie that is very controversial because I watched it. I got a very anti-homophobia message from it, but then other people find it to be homophobic because of some stuff in it. I still don't know where I land on it, and I would love to do it on the podcast, but I also feel like as a straight cisgendered lady, sometimes maybe I don't have the right frame of mind to cover that film. I don't know. But but because of... So William Friedkin visited him in jail when he was serving his sentence. um, Because he did admit guilt, so he got a lesser sentence. But the only reason he got caught with that person was because it was a pretty, like, well-known man in, like, society. And so, like, it was obvious when he went missing. And he says... We went up, we went to have sex, and then something happened, and he I accidentally killed him, and then I hid the body. But it was eerily similar to how the torso murders were hidden. And st- Anyways, it's a whole thing. Also, one of the American Horror Stories, the New York City one, seemed to also revolve around the torso murders, mm. something very similar with 1970s yeah. New York. Um, anyways... There was that. So that man is actually in the movie. He was a real x-ray technician at the time. And they just had him in the movie do the procedure because it was just easier that way. And then he's in the movie. And William Freakin visited him in jail. And that's, I think, why he decided to take on cruising, I think, was a big reason for that. Al Pacino is also in cruising. It's a infamous movie. Um, and then... Reagan's actress and Chris's actresses, they both got severely injured. Um, Reagan, they threw her and she had permanent scoliosis and she was like a child. So she had permanent back issues. Still does. Linda Blair. And then when they threw uh, Ellen Bart, not Ellen Barkin, Ellen Burstyn across the room um, during the the crucifix scene, which is probably the worst scene because it just looks so painful. Yeah. They broke her tailbone. Yeah. And, yeah, and there was, and a couple people died right before the, right when the movie started. Yeah, it was a very cursed set. Um, So that movie's fascinating. I do think The Exorcist 3 is more of a mystery. And not only does uh, the original priest reprise kind of is is in there, um, because everyone else is pretty much recast, um, but George C. Scott was recast as the detective from the first movie because that actor had passed away. But um, uh, the guy who does the voice of Chucky... Oh, uh, Dorfin. He's also in it. Dorf, Dorf, uh, Dorf. Yeah, Brad Dorf. Thank you. Bad Dorf. Brad Dorf, yeah. Um, who also, by the way, Chucky is going to be the next killer in Dead by Daylight. Oh, funny. And he's voicing him. So when you play against him, he curses at you. I'm like, that's great. Um... That happened last week. So, anyways, so uh, but I do think The Exorcist three. There's like weird dream sequences and stuff, but I really liked it. I have seen enough of Exorcist two to know I don't want to watch it because it's really not good and it really, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, William Peter Blatty, who wrote The Exorcist, directed Exorcist three. So 
it's very interesting. And I think he was a really good director, frankly. I think it's really good. But you should see both movies. Um, I don't know. Exorcist 2 is kind of silly and bad. So uh, you be the judge of that. But there's a really cool, there's a couple really cool jump scares in Exorcist 3. One specific one, but there's a couple moments that just got me. Um, but you should totally watch it. And I'm glad I watched them. I'm glad I faced my fears because it is a really good movie. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I totally agree with Taylor on it. It's a total product of its time. It did give me the heebie-jeebies, but not... It's not as scary, scary. Like, when I was a little kid and a commercial came on for... There was, like, the the Exorcist, the beginning prequel that they made, like, in the early 2000s. Remember? Yeah. It would come on and I literally would sleep with my crucifix and my rosary beads because it scared the shit out of me. But I was also, like, the same age as Linda Blair's character in The Exorcist and my mom saw The Exorcist when she was the same age as Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Because mm. that's when it came out. She was like the same age as her. Yeah. Or similar ages. And she really did not. We were not We were not allowed to have Ouija boards in the house. I played with one once in a neighbor's house. And my mom was like, absolutely not. And again, grew up Catholic. So like, no, absolutely not. Um, but it's a good movie. And I think... I like the logical approach to this illogical problem and how they did it. And, um, yeah. And Max von Sydow plays, who has now passed away, but who played the The Raven. Raven. He's been in tons of things. He was a a three-eyed Raven in Game of Thrones. But they did old person makeup on him back in the 70s to make him look like the age he was before he died. Yeah. And I find that so funny. I'm like, wait, why does he look that old? Because this was in the 70s. And I was like, oh, they aged him, didn't they? Because they didn't want to put a young, an older person through that. Because that was a pretty rigorous yeah. movie for everyone involved. Anyways, yeah, it's a great movie. They're both great movies. I think everyone should watch them. Uh, what was the other thing you watched? I have one more thing I want to talk about, but... Yeah. It'll be pretty I'll, quick. I'll I do think. two very, very, very quick things. So uh, the first I will say, so me and Taylor, because we've been editing a lot and stuff. So this time of year, we, uh, as much as I would love to watch more movies, it's actually easier for us to watch TV shows because we can watch like a 30 minute to an hour yeah. episode before going to bed at night. So we did Big Mouth Season 7 did premiere on Netflix. Uh, and they always do this thing where okay. they just drop Big Mouth Seasons like once a year and they don't say anything. It's just there one day. So we still ha- <laughs> we have watched every season. So we, we steamed ahead and uh, the next season will be the last season. So Netflix did announce last year like, hey, we got two more seasons and then it's the end of the show, which I think is smart. But it, I mean, you know, it's Big Mouth, so it's raunchy. And, you know, there's some episodes that are really great. And in other episodes, you're like, uh, but, you know, it's funny. You know, it's, it's some, you know, raunchy, yeah. sexual, funny humor. Um, But what I did like this season, and this is like just one episode, but I really like the way they handled it. So the spinoff for Big Mouth is a show called Human Resources. And it goes more into the other right. type of things. And one of the lead characters in Human Resources is a logic rock. And he's played by Randall Park. Who incidentally plays one of the dogs in Shrine Aww. too? So I like the Logic Rock character. Who also is Asian Jim. He's also in Fresh Off the Boat yes. too. I always think, and I finally started watching Fresh Off the Boat mm-hmm. this uh, the last couple of weeks. Fantastic show, by the way. I've heard good things. Um, 
It is really good. It is like the Wonder Years, but like 90s and from the the uh, middle son's, oldest son's perspective. However, it is really weird because Randall Park and, oh, sh- I'm blanking on her name, but she was in, she was, uh. Ali uh, Wong can always be my maybe. No, 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 no. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians oh. plays the mom, Randall Park's wife. Oh. Shit, I know her name. I'm blanking. But, so, because they're playing the actual real-life parents of the person whose life this, this the show is based on, and because they were Taiwan, uh, Taiwanese immigrants, um, they have very thick accents. And the thing is, Randall Park is Korean. And Randall Park felt awkward about having a Taiwanese accent. So the first episode, I had seen clips from the show and he doesn't really have a very strong Taiwanese accent. He has an accent, but it's not like super strong. But again, Randall Park's Korean, not Taiwanese. So a little weird, but not that weird. The first episode, they made him do a very strong accent and it feels a little weird. But apparently he felt awkward about it and asked, could I not do that so much? But the the wife kind of, the, she does the same thing. She kind of backs off on her accent as the show goes through. And I feel like that was a good move because it felt a little bit, a little weird. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. I don't want to be like judgmental. But I mean, like sometimes accents work really well and sometimes... It almost felt it was a little too thick. But I mean, also, everyone's an Asian performer, so I don't want to, like, say that as a, like, stuffy white person or anything. But I'm glad they let Randall Park change it because you could tell he was uncomfortable talking like that because he felt weird about it. Because, I don't know, it felt borderline, not as accurate. But then... The rest of the show, he only it's only one episode. But, like, everyone's commenting about that on clips from the show. They're like, why did his voice change? Yeah. And then I looked it up, and I was like, did it? And it was like, he was like, yeah, I felt awkward doing that. I was like, that's fair. But anyways, I love Randall Park. He's a great actor. Yeah. But if you really like him, you should watch Fresh Off the Boat, because him and I, I, hold on, I've got to look up her name. But shit, Constance oh, Wu. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit. She was also in Hustlers, and uh, she was on something else really recently too. Oh, she's on the Velma cartoon. Oh, good for Ooh, her. I that's. I heard it's terrible. Yeah, I only watched the first two her. episodes. I was like, I don't think this was needed, <laughs> but okay. But um. But I'm sorry. But so the 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 yeah, rock. He plays, he, the rock. He plays the logic rock on human resources, and so I do like. Between human resources and like Big Mouth, we probably start seeing more crossover. And so, my favorite, yeah. my favorite character, one of my favorite characters on Big Mouth, is actually a minor character. He's not in every episode, but the the character is drawn and it looks exactly like a cartoon version of my oldest nephew, which is the main reason I love him. Aww. But he's autistic in the show, and so there's finally an episode where he kind of gets to be the star of the episode. And his, like, the other kids have their hormone monsters, but his, lo- like, his linear emotion is, like, the logic rock, which I think is really cute. Oh, uh, that's cute. It's really cute. 
and so it's like he he his backpack he becomes so successful getting a new backpack because they're about to go to high school and uh one of the characters matthew who's like a gay who's like a gay kid and he's like a theater nerd and he sings in the choir it's like they mm-hmm. come to the realization he's like uh is he's caleb's best friend but he's actually a really great best friend to caleb so he realizes like he Aww. has like certain social difficulties so he's there for him and i was like this is like a really like sweet Aww. it's a really sweet episode but it was like a really good look into like how maybe more like how someone on the spectrum ticks a little bit and i actually really enjoyed it now i don't know i yeah i don't know if someone else would be offended but as someone who's a little bit on the spectrum who has a nephew that is a lot more on the spectrum i i personally liked the way the episode was written I, it was enjoyable i thought it was sweet so i was like i have to just give a little shout out um, yeah. To Big Mouth Season 7 for that episode. I thought they, they tackled that because they do tackle a lot of, like, very momentous but not often talked about aspects of puberty. Yeah. I think that's probably why I've only really watched the first, like, three seasons, I think. But I really liked them because, like, they were talking about stuff that may- maybe is stupid and silly, but, like, are big jumps in like people's lives you know like it's like that episode of king of the hill where like connie gets her period and they actually like talk about it i'm like i love when shows do that because like that really happens and like people don't just skip that talk you know in real life like you actually have to talk about that shit you know so it's I like that Big Mouth does it. What was the other thing you watched uh, that you were yeah. going to talk about? So the last thing uh, I watched, and I've been meaning to watch it for forever, and then the other, like, it was, like, probably last Wednesday or Thursday, I was like, Taylor, I've been wanting to watch it. I'm just pressing play. So Gen V, which is the spinoff of The Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I, I heard good things about it, but I was like, okay, so I've heard some good things about it, but no one in my inner circle had really watched it. So I started watching it. I'm trying to wait until I finish The Boys. So, I still haven't finished The Boys, so I didn't want to start it. Yeah, and like, so like, this was a good tie over because The Boys is finally coming back in 2024. So this was like a good, like, uh, like, what's mm. your whistle a little bit? I actually liked it. I really liked it, but it was pretty shocking. Like, I was like, holy shit. Like, literally, within the first five minutes of the first episode, me and Taylor were like, oh my god. Like, we both, like, audibly let out, like, oh my god. Because it's like, I mean, it takes no prisoners. Right off the bat, something shocking happens. And pretty Mm. much every episode, there's a moment... They do kill off the main character's girlfriend in the first episode of The Boys, so... Okay, imagine that... And double it. Oh, wow. Literally. Okay, I'm not even Shit. joking. Yes. Yes, literally every single episode, me and Taylor were like, oh my god, there was at least one moment that just was like, what the fuck? Um, but I kind of like that. I like it when something's a little shocking and you don't really know where it's going. And that's what it felt like watching Jim V. Like, I was like, I don't really have any fucking idea where the story is going. But it kept me on my toes because of that. So, yeah, I, I really, really recommend it. Um... You don't necessarily have to watch The Boys to watch Jim V, but it may... I will say there is a slight... If you're really paying attention to the dialogue in Jim V, there may be one or two slight spoilers towards the end of this first season of Jim V. Mm. So it's probably better if you do finish The Boys first, but I I wouldn't necessarily... If no one's ever watched a single episode of The Boys, I would say 
you could watch either you yeah. could watch either or first. But since you already started the boys, I recommend <laughs> you finish the boys before turning into this. Yeah. yeah. I definitely want to finish the boys. It's just one of those like I need to take the time to actually finish it. I have actually though completely caught up with this current show that I started watching in October. It's on Stars and um I don't know if you've heard about this. It was something like I saw on like my Stars on Amazon Prime account, but I I hadn't really seen marketing for it, so I wasn't really sure what it was. Um, but I highly recommend it to any horror fans. Um, it's called Shining Veil. Have you watched it yet? Oh, no, but I heard of it. Is that Courtney Cox? Yes. So Courtney Cox and Greg Kinnear play, uh, Patty and Terry Phelps. And she is, he's an, I think he, he sells like, uh, securities or something. He works in an office in New York City. And before they met, she wrote a smutty novel that was a huge success. And then they met, fell in love, and had kids. And she hasn't written her second book since. So she was really depressed about that. And while she was depressed, she had an affair. This all happens. And this is, like, the setup for the whole show. So she has an affair with this random guy. And she and her husband haven't had sex in years. But yet she's a smutty, like, romance author. You know, so... But her life is very much not that. And she has two teenage kids, one who's very introverted and always playing video games, and then a very, like, not well-adjusted but very confident daughter who, like, hates her. And her mother had mental health issues and schizophrenia. And her mother, who's played by Judith um, Light, who was in, I think, Transparent, Transparent, because the, yes, remember that show? Um, Vaguely. I've never watched Jeff, it, but I've heard uh, of it. The, the dad from, uh, la, 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 from Arrested Development plays the the parent who is transitioning to be a female person. And they um, their kids find out. And that was like the whole premise. But she plays the ex-wife of them, of her. And anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so her mom was put in a mental facility for four years when she was young. And so she's always afraid that she might also have mental illness. She also had a substance abuse problem and she stopped drinking. So she hasn't had a drink in years. She, her, her marriage is in trouble. And her husband is like, let's buy this giant house in Connecticut, which is, you know, of course it's haunted. And so they move all the way out to Connecticut and Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks is their real estate agent um and which i just had to mention her because i was like every time i see her i you know she's my favorite one of my favorite characters in twin peaks and um audrey and so they're in this little town and the house is haunted and she can't figure out if her symptoms are depression or if she's being possessed because she keeps taking klonopin and then passing out and waking up and her book is being written And this 1950s Mm. housewife named Rosemary is, like, possessing her body, writing it. But then she, like, there's straight up satire of, like, The Shining in, like, the whole series. And, like, uh, there's a a scene that is just, like, the changeling um, auto-writing scene. And um, they're also, like, reference, like, Rosemary's Baby in the second season. So they have a couple more episodes left until the second season's done, but so I'm caught up currently. But I highly recommend it. It's very f- horror comedy, 
and it's very dark, but it's very funny. It's very funny. And so I would say if you are a horror fan, it's not like, I wouldn't say it's spook. It's not scary, but it's it's got that all those callbacks to all these old horror movies. And Mira Sorvino plays the 1950s housewife, Rosemary, who might also be oh. a demon. She might also be a demon. And and she's fantastic, which is hilarious because Mira Sorvino was in that terrible, which I'm not saying, okay, we all know what happened with, uh, with that terrible child trafficking movie that turns out they fabricated like most of the numbers and all most of the people involved are actually trafficking people. Oh. What was it called? Oh, Sound of Fury or Sound of Just oh, Sound of Freedom. Shit. Oh, she oh, plays yeah, the, the sound- wife okay. of Tim Ballard oh, in that movie, which I was like, so... "What the fuck, Mira Servino? But she is very Christian I... and very anti-human trafficking. She's apparently been working with anti-human trafficking laws for years. Oh. Like she's been that's been her like cause. So maybe she I took it in a... good faith. I had uh, so I have a coworker that saw that movie four times in theaters when it was when it was playing right. But I also have a good friend who I'll tell you about later, Katie, that they saw that movie and they actually really liked the movie. They're like, I don't think it was a bad movie, honestly. I was like, I've been reading all kinds of weird articles about it's this movie. It's not that the movie is badly made. It's that it is lying and it is saying that it's the truth. And Tim Ballard allegedly actually used a lot of his, quote-unquote, trying to, you know, uh, free human trafficking victims as a way to try to get into women's pants. And he Mm. fabricated a lot of his credentials. He's also been kicked off of that organization uh, since then. And one of the biggest... um, financial supporters of that film and that organization was recently uh, arrested for child kidnapping. So I, it's so, and also they literally bought a bunch of tickets in empty theaters to fabricate how successful it was. So watch Fundy Friday's video on it. They're, they are definitely not, they, they love looking into fundamental Christianity but they do a pretty good job of like actually fact checking it and being that. So that's it's more of the fact that the movie is about is pretending to be factual, but it's actually mostly fabricated. Like there is an organization, but it is not on it's not as dramatic as it is, which is normal for movies, but you know, people were calling you like that you like human trafficking if you don't like this movie. That is not true. Um, but I didn't hear that the movie itself was bad. Also, Jim Caviezel thinks, like, conspiracy theories are real. The man was also hit by lightning while he was playing Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. So maybe he has mental problems. I don't know. Maybe that affected him or something, like Gary Busey in The Motorcycle Accident. I don't know. But he thinks that people want children's blood for, like... He thinks that all the Democrats are, like, drinking children's blood. That's a that's a glib interpretation of it, but, like, it's kind of a similar... There's a, there's a theory. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. But anyways, he believes in conspiracy theories, and he's the lead in the movie. And, yeah. So, and he's very passionate about it. But, yeah, the, the guy that the movie's about has been stripped of his duties and isn't allowed to do that work anymore. So... I was a little worried about Mira Sorvino because she was in it, 
because but she actually does work with anti-human trafficking groups and she has for decades um and she's also like i think she's christian um so i mean maybe she thought oh this is a good movie for me to do because it's about a cause i like but i was a little worried i was like oh no has she drink it taken the red pill you know and then turns out yeah. she's still doing this show and there's a lot of cursing and she does a really good job in it. So maybe she just took that job because of the human trafficking stuff and not. Again, I'm anti-human trafficking. I just the whole point of them fabricating the numbers to make the movie seem better and hyping it up that way is not not cool in my opinion. Um, but yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I thought it was weird that she was in the Sound of Freedom, and then she's also in this. So like maybe again, there's hope for her. I hope. But she plays actually. She plays a couple different characters. We'll just put it that way, and they're all a little mm. bit different. So I love Mira Sorvino. If you've never seen Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, obviously she's done a lot of other movies because she won an Oscar in Mighty Aphrodite, but as I have vowed to not watch any more uh, Woody Allen movies until he dies, um, I haven't watched that one. So, <laughs> But mm. um, when he dies, I'll watch the movies. Just like I'll watch Rosemary's Baby again when uh, Roman Polanski's dead. Because it is a good movie, but I don't want to give him any money, personally. But that is Courtney Cox's favorite movie, apparently. And she does a fantastic job, as does Greg Kinnear. I love both of them. They've both been in, you know, I haven't really gotten to see her in much other than Friends and the Scream movies and some occasional roles here and there. So I, I think it's a really good vehicle for Courtney Cox. And I think Greg Kinnear, he has range, and I do love him. I forgot he was nominated for an Oscar for as either as good as it gets or wag the dog is one of those two movies oh i think i know as good as it gets because it was him nicholson and uh yeah i think it's fucking, that one uh, was it holly hunter she was in this was it holly hunter was who in the sessions too i can't uh, remember uh, oh not holly hunter it's holly no it's it's the lady from twister uh, I'm trying to remember when's it gonna come to me Helen Hunt damn it that's who it is yes we were yeah. like Hunt but then I was like Holly's the well, wrong Holly name Holly yeah, Hunter there's Holly Hunter yeah so Ski Hel- Ulrich Helen is in that Hunt. movie jeez Helen Hunt was in the sessions though too and I love that movie um mm. but yeah but no it sounds like a really interesting it's premise and everything sorry I went yeah. on the Sound of Freedom rant I just find no. it I was so confused why she was in that movie of all people I was like, what? No, not Mira Sorvino. So anyways, it's a great show. Um, I would highly recommend it. I really liked it. I binged it. I just like turned it on while I was working on some stuff in the background and I ended up just hooked. So it's great. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much... I watched some other Halloween movies, but we don't need to talk about them. It's not Halloween time anymore. But that's at least a good horror movie to watch. I do think there is when evil lurks... And Sanctuary and Ennis Men are all streaming. And those are three that I need to sit down and watch and talk to me. But I just wanted to Mm, give them my proper attention and not watch them while I was doing other things. So Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited to watch all those. Sanctuary I've been excited about ever since I saw the trailer. I was like, that looks fucking interesting. But I'm curious. Oh, my God. 
Have you watched so it I do yet? have to say, as a, I haven't. No, no, I haven't. But yeah, it does seem really interesting for sure. Um, I was just thinking, speaking of trailers, because you've seen the Mean Girl movie musical trailer. Oh my god. So it's like literally attacking the line is this is not your mother's Mean Girls. And I remember seeing Mean Girls in theaters with my mom when I was like 15. And I was like, am I that fucking old? And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, it almost came out 20 years ago. Ugh. So here's the thing that bothers but, me is that Mean Girls, the musical is a play based on a movie. And now we have a movie based on a play based on a movie. I'm like, just let the musical be a play and let the movie be a movie. I'm it's laughing, what? though, because Jenner fit. I'm laughing. I said it's Inception, but I'm laughing because Jenna Fisher is playing uh, Katie's mom. <laughs> Katie? Yeah. Yeah. So, or, yeah. It's Katie so with I'm a like, D. Oh my God. Katie a with a D. That's what it is. That's it's what like it is. C-A-D-Y. I was like, what am I thinking? Yeah, Kate. That's right. Katie. Yeah. yeah. I have the boring yeah. spelling. Everyone always thought I must spell my name a different way. And I'm like, nope, just the, the regular way. People will be like, C-A-D-E-Y-L. I'm like, no, that's not my name. Yeah. Yeah, and Tina Fey is reprising her role. But since she wrote it, I will give her a pass for that. That's okay. It's like, fair enough, fair enough. enough. I just like, the musical's fine. It's a decent musical, but I just, I'm like, I don't need to see the musical as a movie. Because Matilda was different because Matilda... The musical is an adaptation of the book more than the movie. It is much more true to the book. And I think that's why I, I didn't really have the same reaction. But I I will not. I, I don't think I will be watching the Mean Girls movie musical. I don't know. Not a, I'll not. watch it. I'll watch it, but not in theaters. Like, I don't oh, think I'll watch no. it in theaters. Yeah. No, I would watch it from home, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, the trailer, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It just makes me feel weird. But maybe that's just one of the first things. I don't feel old. Like, I have a friend that was like, you know, I don't like it when you were like, oh my god, we can't believe we're 34. But I'm like, okay, I don't feel old, but things like this make me feel old, right? Like, it's not my body or anything that makes me feel old. It's just, like, the passing of time and how pop culture changes. Yeah. That's what makes me feel old, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird that it's nostalgic when, like, it doesn't feel nostalgic because it doesn't feel like it's been that long. It doesn't feel like it's been 20 years. Like, it really does, like, I, I just cannot believe it's been 20 years since Mean Girls came out, right? Yay! But I guess we should go. We've it's late enough. Yes. We had techno technological difficulties earlier tonight, so we started a little later than normal. So we but we gotta go to bed. I gotta go to yeah, work. Yeah. I gotta go rehearsal. I gotta learn my lines. So I'm not slipping on that. So yeah, exciting. But next week yeah. we'll be uh doing thanksgiving 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 yeah. by eli roth and it should hit theaters friday november 17th so by the time this episode comes out it should be in theaters currently so yes i don't think it's gonna be streaming though for a little bit so i also have to find time to go see that movie this weekend that'll be fun yay um but yeah so make sure you watch that and then make sure that um, y'all take care of yourselves and be good and uh, or not. Just be kind 
and wash your hands. Get some vaccinations. It's flu season. I'm reminding myself because I need to get my flu shot this year. And take care of your allergies because I've already had like two really bad, one migraine and one really bad headache this week already because the weather's changing. So be careful. Keep your Excedrin handy and hydrate and take all your allergy meds if you, like us, have bad allergies. And yeah, we love you. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you uh, on the next episode uh, with Syndicate. And we'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Very exciting. Which I don't, it'll be like a, a, a collaborative effort. So the, f- the format might be a little bit different than normal. I'm not 100% sure. So we'll see. Okay. Anyways, bye. Okay. You go for it. Sorry. No, you're okay. Okay, yeah, I I'll make it a little shorter. Uh, spay the neuter those babies, uh, as in those for our babies. Uh, <laughs> take care of yourselves and one another, and spay we just look children. forward. To... Yeah, your children. No, uh, we're not we're not in a dystopian society quite yet. Uh, no, just the furry ones, the ones that you adopt. Spay the neuter those babies and keep yeah. the pet population down. Um, Please do. But we love you guys. Uh, take care of yourselves and one another. And, of course, we look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Yes, stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.